Well, good morning, church. So excited to have you joining us again online. So excited about uh, this opportunity to connect with each other. Excited to have you guys. Some of you are wondering where we are this morning. Uh, I've already texted with a few of you. You're wondering what this is behind me and where locationally we are on the campus. We are in the foyer, all right? Some of you thought it's a green screen. It's not a green screen. The, uh, the team put this together this week uh, in the foyer. Just a, a feature wall. We're excited to show it to you when we come back together. Uh, just something the creative team worked on. Speaking about that, I want to take just a couple of minutes uh, and talk Talk about uh, what the next few weeks looks for, like for us as a church. Uh, I know a lot of you have seen different announcements and different phases and different things about reopening uh, in a lot of different places. And so I just wanted to discuss those things with you here at the outset, kind of set us all on the same page for the next few weeks. So today and next Sunday, uh, we'll continue to have church at home online uh, like we've been normally doing. And so we just, uh, we want to have this opportunity to kind of, uh, kind of prepare and just evaluate some different options that we have. And then on May 31st, we're going to have church outdoors all together. So we're excited about that. Uh, you'll be able to drive your car right up to, we'll have an FM transmitter. Uh, you can keep your windows up, your AC blasting right uh, in that beautiful May and June heat of Louisiana. So we'll have that available for you. If you'd like to bring a picnic blanket uh, and sit out on the lawn by the gazebo, you can do that as well. Uh, of course, we'll have everybody distance and we'll do the different precautions that we need to take. But we're excited about May uh, the 31st just to have that opportunity together outdoors. I'll be sweating in the sun, so you don't have to, all right? You can stay in your cars. Uh, but it'll just be a chance to see each other, a chance to spend uh, that Sunday together. So circle that date. And then on June the 7th, Lord willing, uh, weather permitting, and Lord willing, we'll be back in the church buildings. And so we'll give you a little more details um, in the next couple of weeks about what that service will look like. Uh, we say a modified service. Uh, we'll have different precautions and different things that we'll take. Uh, but circle that date on your calendar. Just going to be an exciting uh, time together. Now, let me say just a couple of things. First, I know that some of you feel like we are reopening too slowly, uh, and that's fine. You're allowed to have that opinion. I've talked with a few of you this week, and I, I just admire your heart uh, for the church meeting together. I admire uh, your enthusiasm for that, but I just would ask for your patience in this time. Uh, everything we do has been prayed over, everything with wisdom and guidance, and so just want to ask for your patience in the next few weeks as we put this into practice. For some of you, you feel like we're reopening too quickly, and you're going to remain at home watching online. I want you to know that that is fine. Uh, we're going to continue to broadcast every service the same way we've been doing. Uh, we'll have everything available for you online, uh, the same as we've been doing for everything that we do in the future. Uh, that option is still for you. For some of you, you said we'll see you in 2021. I'm keeping my pajamas on Sunday. I want you to know that that's fine, all right? I want you to know that I'm with you in spirit. I might wear my PJs on June 7th. I don't know. We'll have to see what, what happens on that Sunday. But I want you to know whatever camp you fall into, uh, that it's completely fine. We want to continue to serve you and we want to look towards the future as we begin uh, to reopen with caution and wisdom and prayer, uh, but continue to meet as the church, both online and in person. Go ahead and grab your notebook and your Bible out today, though. We're going to study God's Word together. We're in the second part of a series called Gloves Up. Uh, excited about this. We started it the week before Mother's Day. Uh, so grab out your Bibles. Of course, you can pull out the Victory Church app, download it on your phone, uh, and we got a fill-in-the-blank version of the notes there for you if you like uh, that particular style of taking notes. We love to take notes at Victory because we believe that we write down things that God shows us, both from his word uh, and in the sermons and in the worship services, and then we can reference those uh, in our spiritual journey as we continue to walk out this life with Christ. Uh, we can go back and reference the things that he's spoken, and we can continue to grow. And so we like to take notes together. Our theme verse for this series, the Bible says, so run to win. 
All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. We talked about this in week one, how we run with purpose. We run with intentionality in everything that we do as a church and everything we do as a Christian, there is intentionality behind that action. That we have a purpose given from God that we need to accomplish in this world. And then I love this phrase at the end that Paul says, I am not just shadow boxing. Shadow boxing is actually the practice of pretend boxing. And I brought my boxing gloves with me today because I just want to hit something, right? When you have boxing gloves, you want to hit something, which isn't very pastoral, but it's just what's been going through my mind. I might put these on one of these services when we come back together. I don't know. We'll see what we do. But shadow boxing is pretend fighting. Shadow boxing is when you're just dancing around. You're not really throwing a real punch. It's when you pretend because all of us see ourselves as Rocky, right? All of us see ourselves as the choreographed boxer. All of us see ourselves as being this perfect fighting machine, right? When we put those gloves on. But the truth of the matter, a whole lot of us are just dancing around. A lot of us put the gloves on, but we're not really throwing any punches. We're just shadow boxing. So here's the idea. As a Christian, are we engaged in the fight? As Christians, are we really engaged in the spiritual fight? Because a whole lot of us are just going through the motions. A whole lot of us are just going through the shadow boxing because we say we love Jesus and we, we do the church thing on Sundays, but we're just shadow boxing. We're just dancing around. But are we really engaged? Are we really throwing a punch? Are we really making a difference in the spiritual world? We're making a difference in the lives around us. I don't know. And so this purpose of this series is if we can just get back on track because a lot of us are in the fight, but we're too intimidated to throw a punch. So we're gonna look at that in the next couple of weeks. We're gonna look at what it means to really be engaged, not just shadow boxing, to really be in the ring, to really throw a punch, to be in the fight. Because there are times that we will have trouble. There are times that we will be in a fight. Jesus promised it that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have troubles and problems and pain. There will be punches that are thrown, but he says, but I have overcome the world, so take heart. I've already overcome it, but for a lot of Christians, we don't see that. For a lot of us, we don't believe that, and so we're just still shadow boxing. We're still too intimidated to be in the fight. We're still too intimidated to throw a punch. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter 20 today. Acts chapter 20, verse 22 to 24, and this is a story about Paul. And he's just planted the church in Ephesus, and now he's turned his sights towards Jerusalem. And so he's planning to travel there, and he gives us a picture in this story of what it means to be on this journey, to be on this journey as a Christ follower, to be living out this life with Jesus Christ. So he gives us three things in this on the journey of faith. Verse 22, he says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul understands at this point what life is about, what his ministry is about. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. He's focused on this next season. And this little passage, I believe, gives us the path to living a victorious life as a Christian. This gives us a path to beginning to live out this fight that we're in, beginning to actually throw a punch, beginning to be in the fight, beginning to set our focus. Paul went from city to city planting churches. That's what he did. He would plant churches for Jews and Gentiles alike. He would travel around the different parts of the known world. He would plant these churches, spread the gospel, and then he would move to the next season. He would go to the next area of planting. And he endured so many hardships in his life. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was thrown in prison. He endured so many things. And so at this point in his ministry, he says, I'm headed to Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. And so then the first thing that we need to do on our journey with Christ is to set our focus. 
You need to set your focus. You need to know what this season and what your ministry is about, what you're supposed to be doing in the fight. You gotta set what your eyes are set upon. I think too many times we get distracted in this life. Too many times we get our eyes off of what the focus should be and we get it on the world around us. We set it on the waves or we set it on the situation that we're going through instead of setting our focus on the mission that God has for us. And so the first thing we need to do is to live with intentionality and purpose, is to set that focus. Paul says in verse 22, he says, now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. And I love this phrase, he says, compelled by the Spirit. I'm compelled to go. That word compelled literally means to be bound. It means to be wrapped up in. Paul is basically saying, it's almost as if I don't have a choice, it's just a part of who I am. I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to go, and I'm going to Jerusalem. He's being carried to do this thing, and I hope that you're living your life with this sense of compelling. I hope that you're living your life because if you're not, if you don't have this sense of compelled by the Spirit, then you're probably missing out on a lot of incredible things God has for you to accomplish. A lot of things that God has planned for you to walk out. A lot of things that God has planned for you to have victory in. If you're not living with this sense of compelling, if you're not living with that on your life, then you're probably missing on a lot of those plans that he has for you. Because here's my belief. Every single one of us as Christians have been put in this world to address some problem or some injustice or fix something. God has a purpose for every single one of us. God has a purpose for you. Like there should be some overarching purpose to your life. There should be something that when you see it, you're filled with this righteous anger that you need to fix that problem or you're filled with this this heartbreaking about that thing that's going on and you feel like you're called to that. There should be something in every Christian's life something that's wrapped up in spreading the gospel and building the kingdom. But there should be some people group or some injustice. There should be something that when you see it, you think I'm filled with a righteous anger, a Jesus kicking over the tables, the money changing tables type of anger. Where you say, I need, to, I need to help in that area. I need to spread God's love to that people group. I need to begin to walk this out. Every one of us should have that overarching purpose to our life. And I don't know what it may be for you. It might be those who are stuck in addiction and you might feel called to them. It may be those who are lost without a job or they're, they're, they have the economic inequality or there may be something that you're called to or children who have been taken advantage of and you, when you see that, your heart just breaks and you're called to that thing and there are tears in your eyes as you're called to fix that problem and God has called you to do those and there are people all around us in our community, in our world who are hurting and you don't have to go far to find that and I believe we as the church that it's on us that we are called to fix those things in this world, that God has called us to be his hands and his feet. And so you gotta set your focus. We have to have this compelling of the spirit. We have to begin to look at those different situations and say, no, Jesus died for you too. He cares about you, he loves you. I wanna be the hands and feet of Christ. And so we as a church, we have to have that compelling in our lives. But here's what I've learned. And this is the, this is the problem that comes up in the place of them. And that is that it's easier to be complacent than it is to be compelled. It's easier to become complacent in our lives than it is to be compelled. It's easier for us to end up shadow boxing in this Christian life than it is to wade into the humanity and begin to make a spiritual difference, begin to make a difference in the world around us. And you say, well, why is that? Why do we, why do we become complacent faster than we become compelled? Well, I think the secret is in verse 24. In verse 24, Paul writes to us and he gives us the secret to this. He says, however, I consider my life worth, and read this with me at home, nothing. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, and that's what my life is about. That's what Paul said, it's to spread the gospel. Everything else is just the peripheral. Everything else I count as nothing 
in light of testifying to the gospel of Christ. You see, Paul had a lot of successes. Paul had a lot of successes in his life. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was on top of the world culturally. Paul could trace his lineage from his parents back to the original tribes of Israel. It was a big deal in that time. He was on top of the world culturally, but also educationally. He studied under one of the smartest rabbis in the history of the Jewish nation. Paul was, was set educationally. He was a Roman citizen. He was set culturally. He could walk the world without fear of anything. He, was, he had all these things that were going for him. All these things that he had successes in his life. He had this amazing pedigree. He had a career. The Bible tells us he was a tent maker. He would do that in order to subsidize his missionary progress. He would work on the side. He had a job. He obviously hated it because we only get like one verse about tent making. He didn't even write, give us a, a spiritual, you know, breakdown of how tent making applies to our journey. I don't know. We didn't even get a sermon illustration about it. So you can tell he hated his job, which some of you can relate to. But Paul had all these things in his life that he was passionate about. We know he loved athletics. That's one of the reasons that I love reading Paul's writings. He loves sports. He talks about boxing. He talks about racing. He talks about wrestling. He talks about running. I'll forgive him for that one, right? I'll forgive him for the running. But he talks about all these different sports and all these things that he loves. And at the end of the day, while he clearly loves all of these things, and there's nothing inherently wrong with loving all of those things, he says all of it means nothing to him in light of sharing the gospel. All of it was nothing to him in light of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think somewhere along the way that we just get to the place somewhere in our modern day Christianity, especially in America, where our golf handicap means something to us, where our bank account balance means something to us, where our ability to, to wakeboard on the lake begins to mean something to us, and our kids' travel sports just begin to mean something to us. Which, by the way, is the only way that you can explain parents' reactions on the sides of a youth basketball game. Because we host some games back here at the academy. Sometimes we even host games that aren't our school playing. We just host between two rival schools. And what I have witnessed at these games, we've had bench clearing. We've had where the whole crowd came down and started to fight on the court. It's just been the most incredible thing. And you see these parents, and you begin to think, bro, this isn't about your kid. This is about you. Because I get it, right? I hate refs too. I, I, They're all blind and they all make bad calls. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, my life is not wrapped up in the performance of a youth on a basketball court. But for so many people, it is. For so many people, everything about them is wrapped up. And while I want my kid to beat the tar out of your kid and you want the same thing for your child on the court, at the end of the day, who we are is not wrapped up in that. But for so many people, it is. But then Paul says, I consider it nothing because nobody remembers the rest of that stuff. In two weeks, nobody remembers who won or who lost. In two weeks, nobody remembers. Even if you reach the height of that sport, at the height of your division, or you reach it, you go all the way in the height of all that thing, people forget. At the end of the day, it's not worth anything. And when that happens, we begin to make our lives worth something. When we start to focus our eyes on all these different things, we begin shadow boxing. Our hearts begin to grow cold. We stop living with the passion that God has given us. We stop living with that passion. It's too easy to us, for us to give our lives too much value. It's too easy for us, and it's a hard thing to hear, but it's the truth. It's what the Bible tells us, that it's sometimes it's too easy to give too much value to our lives. We have to take a step back from those things that we've given meaning and value and say, okay, now I'm going to focus on what the Holy Spirit is compelling me to do. What's my purpose? What is he calling me to do? And God puts a burden on our hearts. Back to our text Verse 22, he says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. So I'm going to complete this task, but I'm going to Jerusalem. And the only thing I know is that I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And that kind of gets sticky for a lot of us. 
A lot of times that'll get sticky in what we want to do and it'll get sticky in our lives because number two, if we're gonna live out this Christian walk, number two is we have to step out in faith. We have to step out in faith, not knowing what will happen to us on the journey. And I think this is a roadblock for a lot of people in following Jesus because for a lot of us, we say, I need the 50-year plan. I need to see what's gonna happen at the end. I need to happen at the end of my life. I need to see the way that I'm going to get there. I've gotta see the steps. I need to know what will happen. I wanna see every situation. I wanna know the facts. But the, the fact about living this life for Christ is a lot of times we don't get to see every situation. We don't get the 50-year plan. Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says that we live by faith not by sight. God doesn't give you, God doesn't give you all the details for a couple of reasons. The first one is because if he told you where you would end up and all the things that you would do and accomplish, you would think it was crazy. You would see the end from the beginning and you would begin to think like, God, that's a bad plan. Like, I don't want to walk through that and I don't think I can do that. God, you're just a bad plan. Like even around here on this campus the last five years, we have walked through some things. We have stepped through some things that I would not have believed before those five years started. From the building to rebuilding to the flood to things in my own family life to the campus to all the different things that we've done. If I had seen that, the path that God would call us to walk through, I would have said, God, that's a bad plan. Like, I don't, I don't know about that plan. I don't think, I don't know. Like, I, I've got my own plan. Like, track with me here, God. Like, come on, just try this out with me. I would have said, God, that's just, that's a bad plan. I feel like you're a bad planner. Here's what we're going to do instead. But God says, no, my way is higher than your ways. My plans are higher than your plans. And we become uncomfortable with that, though. Sometimes we begin uncomfortable when we can't see everything. And that's why the Bible says in Psalms 119, it says, but your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, if that was written today, that would probably say your word is an iPhone to my feet because most of us will never buy a flashlight again. We're just gonna use the light that's on our phone. But if you think about being on a dark path and you've got a flashlight, a light to your feet and you're shining it on your feet, if you think about that, a lot of us wanna see the rest of the path. A lot of us want to see the rest of the journey. We want to see where we're going, but the Bible says your word is a light to my feet, a lamp to my path. Your word is a light to where I am today. The Bible says, give me this day my daily bread. Jesus says the problems of today are enough for it. And so what God does is he'll give us steps one and step two when we're asking for step three and step four. But the way we live our life in faith is when I take step one and step two, if you watch when that light moves, you can imagine that, then suddenly step three and step four become illuminated to me. Then we begin to pray, Lord, if I would just step out and take step one and step two, then God would begin to give us step three and step four. Because the problem for so many of us is we want the entire journey before we'll even take a step. And that's obedience, that's not faith. We're called to live in faith. But we just wanna see every step along the way and that's just blind obedience. But we wanna begin to step out and to live by faith. Faith is trusting when we cannot see. It's trusting in God when we cannot understand and when we cannot See, that's the journey of faith. Paul says, I'm going to Jerusalem, and that's all I've got. I don't know what's gonna happen to me when I get there. I don't know the great successes that we're gonna have. I don't know anything of that, and I just know what God is calling me to do. And some of you are in that place. You know where God is calling you. You know God is calling you to step out into ministry. He's calling you to start that company. He's calling you to be married. He's calling you to live this life for him. He's calling you to use your giftings or to lead a small group. God is calling you to do those things and you feel called to do that, but then we want the whole deal at the beginning. We want God to show us everything and he doesn't give us any details. He actually just gives us the what and then that leads to the how. And so God begins to show us how to do it, but then it leads to that. So you don't know who you're going to marry. You don't know what it's gonna look like, but the Bible just says how to be married. 
The Bible just says the steps that you need to take to prepare yourself for marriage. And once you do that, then the who will reveal itself. Because for a whole lot of you, God's not bringing your spouse because you're not ready yet. You're not ready in that thing. For a whole lot of you, God's not letting your company explode with success because you don't have the work ethic in place already. You haven't listened. For a whole lot of us, we're not prepared for that. God's actually protecting us while we listen to steps one and step two. But we wanna see the whole thing right there and that's not what a life of faith is all about. God's protecting us from that. He's given us his word, the light to our feet. So we have to take steps of faith. Paul said, I've set my focus. I'm headed to Jerusalem, but I have no idea what's gonna happen to me. And here's the deal breaker for the rest of us. That may not, maybe you're stepping out in faith and you're stirred to do it, but here's the reality. Here's verse 23. He says, I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. The third thing you're gonna have to do if you're gonna get from where you are to where God wants you to be is you're gonna have to stand and fight. He said, the only thing I do know is that there are hardships and prison and things facing me. There will be times when the enemy comes against you. There's gonna be resistance in this Christian walk. The one thing that we do know, we don't know what steps three and step four are. We don't know how it's all gonna turn out. We don't know how it's gonna work out in our lives. We don't have those details. We're just following in faith because we know our God. We do know that there will be hardships. We know that there's gonna be resistance. Paul even said in 1 Thessalonians, we wanted to come to you. And Paul, we tried to come again and again. We tried to come to you, but Satan prevented us. That word prevented literally means to cut a ditch in the path. In in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, what robbers would do is they would cut a ditch, and so when travelers were coming upon it, they would have to take their wagons around. And in doing so, in trying to cross around or in getting off the path, they would become distracted and they would be vulnerable to attack. And so Paul is saying that Satan is trying to prevent us from coming. He's trying to attack. And so what happens in this life of faith is we say, yes, God, I'll start that company. Yes, God, I'll step out in the ministry. Yes, God, I'll lead a small group. Yes, God, I'll use the gifts that you gave me. I'll begin to do those things. But then resistance comes and we find ourselves off track. Satan comes to try to prevent us and we find ourselves off the path. We find ourselves distracted by the things that are coming into our lives. We find ourselves distracted by those things and we get off the path that God has for us. And I think sometimes we interpret resistance wrong. As Christians, we begin to see resistance as I must be doing something wrong, I must have stepped out of God's will, or, or I tried to do what was right, I really tried to step out for God, and then all of a sudden my car broke down, and then my, my furnace broke, or, or that friend walked out of my life. Or I tried to do something for God, and then I lost my job, or, or I went through this thing, or I feel like everything is falling apart. Reality is you're probably on the right path, because here's what I've learned in ministry, and that is if you're not experiencing opposition, you're not taking ground. If you're not experiencing opposition, then you're not taking ground because we are in a battle with the enemy. We're in a battle. We talked about that in week one. We're in a fight. It's not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and the darkness and the rulers of this dark world. We have an enemy. We have an enemy of our souls who wants to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he's coming against us and he wants to attack you. And so, of course, you and I are experiencing setbacks. Of course we're coming under attack. Of course he's trying to attack us because in the end, the devil knows that we win. He knows that we're gonna kick him in the teeth and the kingdom of God is gonna continue to advance forward. So of course we've been experiencing those things. I'm not discouraged when we have opposition. I'm not discouraged when we have adversity that comes. I'm not pouting because of course we're on the right path. Of course we're following after God because sometimes we get punched by the devil and sometimes our reaction is to curl up in a fetal position and just cry out, oh God, why? You know, why have you forsaken me? Why are these things happening? Why is everything falling apart? No, it's time to take a punch to get our gloves up. It's time to get back in the ring to get in the fight. It's time to be back in the fight. It's time to throw a punch because we're not playing patty cake church. 
We're advancing ground. We're not here just to, to scratch an itch for church folk. This isn't what this church is about. We're here to advance the kingdom of God. We're here to seek and to save the lost. And eternity hangs in the balance. When you're in the fight, when you begin to realize what your life is about, what the purpose God has given you, you got a standard fight. You got to fight for that purpose. And you might say, but pastor, it's just too hard. I'm too tired. Or I've, I've taken one too many punches. It's just really difficult. Well, in ministry, here's what I've learned. And that is when you are experiencing resistance, you are never, you are ever closer to a breakthrough. You are ever closer to that breakthrough in your life when you are experiencing resistance. Because that's when you are experiencing and that's when you are accomplishing things for God because God is for you, not against you. He's for you, not against you. He loves you. He has a great plan for your life. And it involves making a spiritual difference in the world around you. This church, we're here to seek and to save the lost. There is a community that is hurting around us, church. There are people who are dying and going to hell. There are people whose lives hang in the balance. And so we're gonna wade into humanity. We're gonna have that purpose because the devil is real and it is our job to preach the gospel. It's been laid upon us. It's our compulsion. We have been gifted by the spirit to spread the gospel, to build the kingdom, to wade into humanity, to see those people who are hurting, to begin to see those places that we are called to, to begin to go to those people and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was addicted, but God healed me. I once had these things in my life, but God brought me out and he wants to do the same in your life. That God wants to free you from those chains of addiction. God wants to free you from the problems and the pains that you have. God wants to come into your life and heal you as well. That's what we're called to do, church. We're called to reach those who are far, to bring them close, to show them that God loves them and he cares for them. God has a destiny for us. God is calling us to fulfill that purpose in the world. We gotta get our gloves up. We gotta get in the fight. We gotta throw a punch. We gotta set our focus and then we gotta stand and fight. Come on, church, would you bow your heads with me wherever you are? Let's pray today. I just wanna pray and I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I don't know what the Holy Spirit is compelling you, what the Holy Spirit is drawing you, what he's called you to do on this earth. And maybe some of you, maybe some of you, you don't have that overarching purpose. And so I just wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would bring that compelling into your heart. Maybe some of you, you're like the flashlight where you just want to see the journey and you don't know how to take that step. I'm just praying that faith would begin to fill your life. And maybe some of you, you've, you've taken one too many punches and you feel like you're down. Just praying that God will give you the strength to stand and fight again. But this morning, before I pray that prayer, there's some of you who are far from God today. And I don't know how you got there. Uh, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different places that people find themselves in, but you feel far from God. And I want you to know today that he loves you, that he's calling you back home. And if that's you today, if you say, I wanna make today the day that I come home. And if you've wandered far, and I don't know how it happened, maybe an authority figure hurt you, or maybe a family member, or maybe there was some pain or something that drove you away. I want you to know that what I'm offering you today is not religion. God's not looking at your giving. He's not looking at your, your church attendance. He's looking at your heart and he loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And so I wanna give you the opportunity today, if you've never done that, or if you say, I wanna come back to God, if you wanna make today the day that you come back home, I wanna give you an opportunity to pray that prayer because God loves you and he wants you and he can give you that overarching purpose to your life. The only condition is that you surrender, that you surrender your life to him. And so I wanna pray a prayer with you. Here's how we'll do it. I'll give you the words to pray but you need to pray them and mean them in your own life. So if that's you today, would you pray, repeat after me. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me today 
for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender my life to you. I give you control. Now say these words, I make you the Lord of my life. Give me your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. God, we pray today that you would stir up our hearts to make a difference. Lord, for those who are struggling to find that purpose or those who are struggling to find that compelling of the Holy Spirit, I pray right now, God, that you would show them. Show them what you've called them to be. Show them who you've called them to reach. Bring divine appointments, Lord. Father, for those who have sat on the sidelines because they're unwilling to take a step of faith, God, I pray that they would get in the fight. Lord, begin to show them that step one and step two, that they would step out in faith, that they would know, Father, that you are with them. God, that you have called them and that you are with them every step of the journey. And Father, we thank you that you're always with us. God, we thank you today that when the enemy comes in like a flood, that your word is promised that you will raise up a standard against him. Lord, that as we enter this fight, we know that the battle is the Lord's. We know who we serve. We know that our God is victorious. And so we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you that we can stand and fight. We thank you, Father, that you have called us to this fight and that you will never leave or forsake us. And God, at the end of the day, we know that the battle is the Lord's. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we give you all the praise and all the glory. And all the church said amen and amen.